Welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. We want to get right into the Word, and we're in our second installment of our summer series. And I know you guys are getting signed up for the Summer Summit Challenge. You don't want to miss and be a part of that. But man, I want to continue the series today. We're going to be talking out of Proverbs 1, 22 to 23. And we're going to talk around the subject, truth or dare. Now, our series is named Motives Matter. Because we know that the Proverbs of Solomon are dealing with heart issues. Not just the what we do, but the why we do what we do. And you know what? Every once in a while, we need God by His Holy Spirit to just get in our heart and just start revealing ourselves to us and showing us how we can become everything He wants us to become. So let this do that to you. Get educated this summer and man, just just study and take notes. Get your version out and, and then save that and go back and refer to it and really use it as Bible study in your life because I know God's going to use it to minister to you. So today I want to talk to you around the idea, truth or dare. Truth or dare. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 22 through 23 and I'm reading from the Amplified is what will go up on the screen so read it along with me how long O naive ones you who are easily misled will you love being simple minded and undiscerning how long will scoffers who ridicule and deride delight in scoffing how long will fools who obstinately mock truth hate knowledge how long if you'll turn and pay attention to my rebuke behold I wisdom will pour out my spirit on you and will make my words known to you father we just pray in Jesus name to take your word and change us with it Lord we love your word we want your word in us we want to study it we want to know it God put a hunger and a thirst in us to put it before other things in Jesus name we pray amen Amen. Amen. Man, it's so good to see you this morning. Man, I am just excited about church. I'm excited about this word. As I prepared it, I just it really stirred my heart. And so I, I'm just praying that you're learning from this series. And as the different pastors on our team and different speakers throughout the summer speak these words, I know it's going to minister to you. And the, the whole goal is that we grow. The whole goal is that we have some change going on on the inside of us because we know change inside of us and growth inside of us produces change and growth outside of us. So we definitely want to be doing that. So I want to encourage you to engage in that. So the question is, how long will you be so easy to mislead? How long will you ridicule and deride? How long will you obstinately mock the truth? That's a rough start. That's some serious questions. And these are truly important questions. You know, Proverbs uses this literary tool that paints a very interesting picture. It's called personification. You know, basically what it does, it gives a concept or an idea, personhood, to help us understand its meaning better. And in this passage, what's happening is wisdom is talking to us. Wisdom is asking us some questions. So by observing the questions that wisdom asks, we know several things. We know wisdom is getting tired of waiting. The questions are basically this. How long will you allow this to go on? We can see that wisdom loves truth, and we can see that wisdom dislikes it 
when we're naive and allow ourselves to be misled. Wisdom wants us to know, embrace, and apply the truth. That's what wisdom is all about. Embrace, know, and apply the truth to our life and our situations. So the inference here is that the naive person wants to be misled. That's what wisdom is saying in this passage of Scripture in Proverbs. Naivete wants to believe things that aren't true. But why would someone want to believe something that's not true? And that's exactly what wisdom is saying to us. That's what, exactly what wisdom is wondering. How long will you let this go on, wisdom says. It's because we, we maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's because we like the person who's doing the misleading. And we know if we no longer allow them to mislead us that the relationship will be over. Is it because the deception is popular and it causes us to allow it to go on? Maybe everyone else is being misled, so why don't we just join the crowd? Is it because the direction we're going, even though we know it's the wrong direction, better fits our comfort or our convenience or maybe even our rebellious hearts? When wisdom asks how long will this be allowed, the implication is simply this. Hey, listen, you know better than this. Have your parents ever said that to you when you were younger or even when you're older? Hey, what are you doing? You know better. You've been taught better. You understand this. How have you forgotten? It's kind of like to Paul when he talked to the Galatians. He said, oh, Galatians, who has bewitched you? How have you forgotten what you knew? It, it, it's, it's just this wisdom is saying, what is going on? You know better than this, but you just continue to allow yourself to be misled. And the sad part is that when we're misled, it means that we're being led to a wrong place. In other words, where we're being led to is a place that misses the mark. It's not the direction we should be going. It doesn't cause us to arrive at the purpose God has for us. Wisdom is asking, pleading even, if you really read it and understand, how long will you be so naive as to stay on a path that you know will end in destruction or personal devastation. The question is, how long will you love being this way? Why are we this way? I used to have a friend on a job that, that I worked years ago, and someone would come and tell us what we're supposed to be doing, and, and, and he would quickly say, don't tell me, don't tell me, because if you tell me, then I'm responsible for it. <laughs> what a ridiculous way to live. But so many of us live that way. Could it be that at times we don't want to know because we don't want to be held responsible for the outcomes of knowing? It's like that old colloquialism, ignorance is bliss. Is it though? Is it bliss? The problem with this attitude is that regardless of whether or not we know something, we still have to live with the consequences of it. Wisdom is saying to us, don't love ignorance, love truth. Don't excuse deceit because you're happy with it because it'll destroy you at some point. It's like that old story about the scorpion and the frog. The frog was going across the lake and the scorpion needed to get across the lake and he couldn't get across the lake because the lake was too high and he couldn't go around. It was too far. So he asked the frog, hey, would you carry me over to the other side of the pond? And he said, no, I will not. You're a scorpion. You'll sting me and I'll die. And so the scorpion says, let's make a deal. Let's negotiate. If you'll carry me over there, I won't sting you, and we can be friends, and we can be partners. And, and, and finally, after negotiating with the frog, the frog says, okay, I'll take you over. 
And so they begin to go over and he gets over. And right when they get to the other side, within the reach of the bank, the scorpion stings the frog and the frog dies and the scorpion gets on the other side. And as the frog is dying, he said, why did you sting me? You said you wouldn't sting me. And the scorpion says, because I'm a scorpion. And so much of the time, we let ourselves be deceived or led astray because we're trying to believe the best about a situation, but it's simply not true. And we want it to be true because it's most convenient or it's most comfortable. It fits our narrative the best, but it's not true. And ultimately, even though we want it to work out, it's not going to work out. It's so funny how many times I've counseled with people over the years that you know, they just want something to work out so bad that they'll lie to themselves about it. It'd be impossible to number, I mean, seriously, the amount of singles that I've counseled over the years who want to be naive about a person because they want to date them. And I'll tell you, they will go to lengths to purposefully ignore glaring issues in that person's life. And even when these issues were brought to them by friends or family members that loved them, they would just ignore it and go on believing a lie because they wanted the opposite to be true, even though they knew it wasn't. And I also can't count how many of those situations turned out horribly. And matter of fact, some turned out devastatingly horrible. You know, sadly, as we can see, this attitude takes on a worse version of itself because it turns into mocking and deriding truth. We see this in our society all the time now. It begins to make fun of and belittle the truth. It's literally amazing to me that we as humans can be so naive to believe a lie and then want it to be true so bad that we begin to mock and ridicule anything that opposes that lie. As if our mockery of the truth makes it any less true or our bolstering of a lie make it any less false. So the question is, why is wisdom so irritated about this? Why is wisdom out there yelling and saying, why are you letting this go on? How long are you going to continue to allow this to happen? And here's the reason, because wisdom has made itself available. <laughs> wisdom has said, if you'll just turn and pay attention to my rebuke, I'll pour knowledge and understanding over you. In other words, what he's saying is, I'm going to give you knowledge and understanding in abundance if you'll just turn this direction and receive wisdom and stop believing and being naive about things that aren't true because you want them to be true. The problem is, because of our self-interested motivation and pride, we will keep maintaining this posture because we don't like the word rebuke. You hearing me? It's offensive to us to be corrected. It's offensive for someone to tell us we're wrong, that we're headed down a path that will destroy us. How dare someone try to help me keep from hurting myself or, or, or hurting others? And wisdom is saying to us, here I am, pursue me and, it, and you'll find me. Let me correct you, submit to my leadership and I will, I will lead you to a path of truth. And you know, we have no excuse today in the New Testament church. We have no excuse because we are saved and Jesus by the Holy Spirit has come into our life and he's regenerated our heart and his Holy Spirit lives in us. And the Bible says that the Spirit of God is the Spirit of truth that leads us into all truth. 
So when we are going along with deception in our culture, when we are going along with things we know aren't true or accurate because we want them to be, or when we allow ourselves to be naive and be pulled away from what is right and true because it's more convenient or comfortable to go the other direction, we have no excuse because we know the Holy Spirit the whole time is saying to you, this is wrong, this is not right, you're going in the wrong direction. Wisdom is saying to us, um, reject blissful ignorance. And we all need to choose to love truth and hate deceit. And we all need to be willing to receive correction. It could save your life. It could save your body. It could save your soul and your spirit. Choose truth, not deceit. Choose life, not death. Choose submission, not rebellion. Choose love, not hate. Choose correction and not misbehavior. Choose wisdom, not foolishness. You know, Jesus told two stories in the New Testament that I think are very apropos uh, this morning. And, and, and they were stories that contrasted wise people uh, to foolish people. And, and the first story that I want to talk about is the man who built his house on the sand in Matthew chapter 7. And, and what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 is, he told them that there, there was a man who a storm was coming and uh, he, he built his house on a firm foundation. And then there was another man who built him his house on a foundation of sand. Basically no foundation. So the man who built his house on foundation, a storm came and it rocked the house. It beat on the house. It destroyed the house. It attacked the house. But the house just stood. It didn't go anywhere. The winds wanted to knock it over. The storm wanted to destroy it, but it couldn't because the man had built his house on a solid foundation. But then there, there was a wise man. The other man was a foolish man. And he built his house on basically no foundation, a foundation of sand. So when that same storm, not a different storm, the same storm came to his house, uh, it destroyed his house. And the Bible says total, the destruction was total. The man who was wise had a firm foundation. The man who was foolish had no foundation. Now, here's the bottom line. The bottom line is the man who built his house on the foundation, the Bible declares to us, is a person who hears the word of the Lord. We could say it this way, a person who listens to the wisdom of the word of God. And when he listens to the wisdom of the word of God, he doesn't just hear it, but he does it. Like the Bible says in the book of James, when James said, that we should not just hear the word, but we should do it. That faith without works is dead, being alone. That we have to manifest the truth and absolute truth of the word by allowing it to come through our lives, not just to our lives. And so this man who built his house on that foundation, he heard the word of the Lord, he did the word of the Lord, and he stood strong. But the man who built his house on the sand he did not stand strong. His house was totally destroyed because he was a person who heard the wisdom of God but refused to do the wisdom of God. Isn't it crazy how we have access to the wisdom of God but some of us will choose not to do it. And I'm not just talking about people who don't know God. Sometimes us as believers, we will know that we have access to the wisdom of God yet still operate in the wisdom of man. And, and then when the storm comes and it beats us down, and it destroys our situation, how often do we go, God, why did you let this happen? 
And wisdom is out there in the street saying to you, how long are you going to believe this lie? How long are you going to be so naive as to continue to believe that you do not have to do the wisdom of God and you're going to be okay? It's not going to be okay. And God would say to us today, listen, follow me. Obey me. Think about the problem with the man who built his house on the sand. What were some of the problems with him? What were the characteristics? What were the issues? The issues were that he didn't want to go to the trouble of building the foundation. He didn't want to deal with that. He wanted to move on. He wanted to get the house built. He was more concerned about the design maybe or the way it looked or the way it appeared. And a lot of times when we build our house on no foundation, that's what we're basically doing. We want everybody to see it and look at it and say, wow, look at that beautiful home. But they don't really realize that there's no foundation. And they don't really realize that when the storms come, there'll be nothing left standing because it's a pretend house. It's not a real house. But then you look at that other person, that wise person, who he said, look, this is the wisdom of God. I'm not going to assume for one moment that my wisdom would supersede the wisdom of God. I'm not going to assume for one moment that I should make priorities of the things I want over the things God wants for me. But I know that if I'll build my house on God, on the wisdom of God, that the storms of life are going to come. Just like they came to my neighbor, they're going to come to me. But the difference between me and them is that I'm going to still be standing here when it's over because I'm not depending on man's wisdom or man's way of doing things or the deceit that is so pervasively present in our world today. I'm going to stand on the truth of the word of God. And that foundation, no matter what happens, will keep me standing because I'm not just hearing it, but I'm doing it. You know, the Bible says that everything one day is going to pass away. That, that this whole world is going to be folded up like a garment and put in a drawer. He was making an analogy to that there's one day that God's going to recreate the heavens and the earth and he's going to do away with the old. But he said one thing will not pass away. Do you know what it was? The word of God. That phrase in and of itself should cause us to see how important being in the word and the wisdom of God is. Because it says not only will the word of God last forever, but those who believe and stand on the word of God will last forever. Think of it. Think of it. There was another story he told that's very interesting, and he was really talking in, in eschatological terms. He was talking about the end time when the, the, the bridegroom comes. And he was saying that there were, there, were five, uh, there were ten virgins, and they were awaiting. They were part of the bridal party, and they were awaiting the groom to show up. So in their culture, marriage was a lot different. And so the bride was already and prepared and the groom was on his way. And they didn't know exactly what time he was going to show up. So the wise virgins, they got their lamps together. And you've probably, uh, you've probably sung a song if you grew up in church. Give me oil in my lamp, keep it burned. There, there, there's a lot that has to do with that and the temple. But then there's other songs about the wise virgins and the, and the foolish virgins. And in this situation, what happened is those wise virgins, they took their lamps that were already lit, but then they had another container that was full of oil if they needed it. And, and then there were five virgins that took their lamps, but they didn't bring any extra oil. And so the night got late and the groom didn't come and the groom didn't come and the groom didn't come. And then all of a sudden he shows up. And when he shows up, they all get up and they're ready to go and greet the groom and light the, the, his path and, 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 and have enough light to see everything that's going on. And as the wise virgins begin to get up and put the 
other oil in their lamp, the, 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 the foolish virgins realized we, we don't have oil. And so they begin to ask the wise virgins, give us oil that you have brought. And they said, no, you're going to have to go get your own oil. And so they ran to get their own oil. And then they showed back up. And when they showed back up, the bridegroom had already come and gone into the house and they had shut the door and they were knocking on the outside of the door and they were saying, they were saying, let us in, let us in. And the bridegroom opened the door and said, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know you. And shut the door again with them on the outside. And, and what we see here is we see some wise people. What, what is wise about these five virgins that were wise? What, what is wise about them? Well, number one, they were prepared. That they, they understood that it's not just about immediate gratification. It's not just about the immediate ease of life, but they thought long term. They thought that we may be out here a while. We may be waiting for some time. And I'm going to tell you, I feel like a lot of believers right now are in that place where we've been waiting a long time to see God do something, or we've been waiting a long time for Jesus to come back, or we've been waiting a long time, to, and we've gotten tired, and we've said, let's just... Let's just take what we need Let's for today. Let's not worry about the long-term vision of God. Let's just take what's easy. Let's just take what's comfortable. And let's just do that. And here's what happens. The wise people that are in that situation, when opportunity comes, they're ready. Because they've been listening to the wisdom of God. They've been establishing their life on the word of God. They see things beyond immediate gratification. They see things beyond the comfort of the day or the convenience of the day or the priority of the day. They see that there's a bigger picture here and they're thinking with bigger picture type thoughts and they're walking in the wisdom and understanding that God gives us as we study his word. And here's what always happens. When the people who are reactive and are living for convenience and comfort and aren't prepared for opportunity, the wise people get the opportunity, the foolish people don't. They miss the opportunity. And the wise people always have enough to do what they need to do, but the foolish people are always asking the wise people to give them what they have as if it's their responsibility to make sure they get the opportunity. You see, that's not wisdom. The wisdom of God says, that we should be thinking like God, that our mind should be like the mind of Christ, that we should be willing to wait for however long it takes the groom to get there. And that we should be prepared that if it takes a long time, we're still going to be ready. We're still going to be able to light our, our candle. We're still going to have that light. We're not going to let it go out. We're going to constantly prepare. It's indicative of staying in the word and praying and seeking the face of God. And I can't go to somebody else and say, give me the oil you have. All I can do is get the oil that God has provided for me. And if I leave it at home because it wasn't convenient or if I if I make other priorities and 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 it's not comfortable for me at the time or maybe there's something else I want more and then when it's time and the opportunity arises and God wants to do something significant I'm not ready because foolishness always has to do with thinking of ourselves before God the Proverbs tell us very clearly several times Solomon says the beginning of wisdom is reverencing God. In other words, respecting God, putting God first, placing God in the center of our life. I want to show you in these stories just very quickly three steps of digression of the foolish. The first step of digression of the foolish is this, their unwillingness to learn. They don't want to learn. They know all that they want to know. They, they want to be ignorant. They want to 
to just continue to be naive. They don't want to, 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 to think too hard or to learn too much or be responsible for too much information. They would rather just fill their life with empty thoughts in the world that is constant in the world in which we live. And their unwillingness to learn the things of God and their unwillingness to do the things of God. And here's what happens. When they get to the place where they have rejected God teaching them, guiding them, directing them, rebuking them, correcting them, instructing them, inspiring them, when they've rejected it over and over again, it even takes one step further into digression and negativity, and that is they begin to mock wisdom. I'm going to show you this biblically in just a moment. That there are places we can get in our life that we get so cold spiritually, we reject what God has for us so much, so often when that Holy Spirit is telling us do this or go there or think about this or change this or when we know that we need to change things to be closer to God or closer to His kingdom and we don't do it and we continue to reject and we continue to reject and we say, hey, I've got a house. I know it's not built on a foundation, but at least I've got a house. The storm's coming. The storm's coming. I've seen people that, because we've gone through the last two or three years that we've gone through, aren't even following Jesus anymore. Their life has become a shambles. They have no meaning. Their kids are off the rails. Their family is falling apart. Their finances are in disarray because they didn't just remain in that teaching, that learning posture. And they rejected the things that God wanted for them and the storm came and it washed them out. Is there hope? Yes, there's hope. There's always hope in Jesus. But the truth is we don't have to go down that road because God has given us wisdom. But if we choose the path of foolishness, then that fat path of foolishness chooses my way over God's way. It disrespects the purpose, priority, and plan of God in my life. And at some point, I will even be willing to mock that wisdom. Who said you know what's true wisdom? Who said you've got the right perspective wisdom? Maybe the way I think is the right way to think. Maybe you're too hard. You're too harsh. You're too, you're, you're too legalistic. You're too law-driven. You're too whatever the case may be. When the wisdom that is being dispensed to you is only for your good, yet you'll find yourself mocking it because of the digression of yourself spiritually. And then the third thing in this digression is a refusal to hear or act. A refusal to hear or act. Because you got to be honest. You know when that discussion was going on between the wise virgins and the foolish virgins. You know they were watching the wise virgins. They were all together. The Bible's very clear. You know they were seeing them put oil in an extra uh, uh, a jar. You know that they saw that happening. And for some reason they just thought, ah, we don't need to do that. We're not going to worry about that. And we hear and God reveals and God teaches instructs but will we be willing to act because I'm telling you when you begin to act in wisdom it changes things when you begin to act in wisdom hope fills your life joy fills your life growth fills your life positive change comes into your life the manifest prosperity of God comes onto your life that's the reality of it that's the difference that's the contrast the, the wise virgins got to go in. They got the opportunity. The foolish virgins had to stay out. 
The wise man's house survived. The foolish man's house fell apart. Don't fall into this three steps of digression of the foolish where we become unwilling to learn, willing to mock wisdom, and a refusal to hear and act. I'm going to show this to you biblically in just a moment as we close. The third thing is this. I mean, the next thing is this. There are three steps of progress of the wise. So you have three steps of digression of the foolish, but then you have three steps of progression or progress of the wise. And here's what, here's what you see as you look at those two stories. One, the wise are curious to learn. They want to know the truth. They are seeking out the truth. They are looking for the opportunity. They are applying that. They want it in their life. They, they want to know. Listen, we as Christians, we have far too little spiritual curiosity. That scripture that says, knock and continue to knock, seek and continue to seek, uh, 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 pray and continue to pray, and you'll, you'll receive the answer. The door will be open, and, and you will find. All, listen, that scripture does not personify enough of us. We need to have that seeking, that thirsty, that how often did Jesus talk about get thirsty? How often did he talk about get hungry for the things of the Spirit? What he was doing is he was taking our physical appetites and he was making them analogous to our spiritual appetites. Our spiritual appetites should be full on. Some of us are anemic spiritually because we're not hungry and we're not eating the Word of God. We're not thirsty enough and we're not drinking of the Spirit of God. Does it make sense to you? Do you understand? Wisdom gives you the opportunity to take the right path, to take the path of prosperity, to take the path of goodness, to take the path of confidence and grace and power and motivation. And foolishness gives you the opportunity to take the wrong path, that wrong path that seems right to a man but ends in destruction. You, you, you serve yourself and your own appetites, and, and, and then finally it destroys you. It's always a bait and switch. Haven't we learned this yet? So the three steps, number one, curiosity. We need to get curious. Man, curious to learn. I want to know more about God. I want to get in His Word. I've been studying the Word of God for 33 years, full on, every day, every year, Every week, that's not an exaggeration. I'm telling you, I've gone through this Bible so many times and I continue to go through it every year. And I study, I take parts out of it. I learn more about specific subjects. I, well, you need to do that because you're a pastor. And you're, no, I don't do that because I'm a pastor. I don't do that because I'm preaching. I don't do it because I, I teach the word all of the time. I do it because I'm a believer and I want to grow in my faith. I want to grow in the spirit and presence of God maturing me. And the way that happens is you got to eat. You die spiritually if you don't eat, just like you would die physically if you don't eat. Amen. So get curious to learn. I want to know more about God. I, I, you, you mean you've been serving God for 33 years and you don't know him by now? I know him, but I know there's more to know of him. To think that I could in my finite physical self even begin, come on, let's be honest, even begin to really know all there is to know about God. That's the thing that's so awesome about God. However incomprehensible he is, he is knowable. So we can't understand everything that we know about him, but we can have a relationship with him. We can know him. I want to be as close to him as possible. I want the wisdom of God just, just overflowing out of God into my life continually. Amen. The second step of progress for the wise 
is a sincere desire to know wisdom. In other words, when wisdom asks that question, how long? The wise person says, no longer. How long will you listen to deception? How long will you allow uh, lies to be perpetrated as truth? How long will you just put up with ignorant bliss? How long? And the wise person says, no longer. I won't ever long. I want to know more. I want to be able to apply love and grace and power and purpose to my life and to my situation. I want wisdom in my life. I want truth to prevail in my life. That's what the wise person says. A sincere desire to know wisdom. Like James said, if any man lacks wisdom among you, let him ask God and he'll give it to you abundantly. The third thing is, that third step of progress for the wise is the courage to hear and act on what they've learned. The courage to hear and act on what they've learned. You see, that's what makes the difference. Wisdom, listen to me very carefully, wisdom is about application. You can have a lot of knowledge. In our world today, knowledge is seemingly evervescent. It just, it just goes on and on and on, and it's coming at us at rates and speeds that we don't even understand. But you have to understand how to discern and how to parse that out because all the information that's coming to you is not true. And it's not truth. And so we need to be more concerned with the information and inspiration of the Word of God than we are about current events, than we are about what's happening on social media, than we are about what's happening uh, in the world today. We need to be more informed by the Word of God, the stable unaffected, always abiding word of the living God. And then we need to understand that wisdom is about application. It's about taking that word, that interpreting it properly, and then applying it to our life, living it out. When we get a revelation of a truth of the word of God, living it out. I, I can tell you, I'm a person of faith. I believe God can do anything. I'm telling you, if someone's sick, I want to pray that they be healed. I'm so thankful for medicine, and I know some God. sometimes God chooses to heal us with medicine, but my first prayer is going to be God divinely heal them because I want that to happen. I believe it, and I see it happen. But I was on a phone call the other day with a friend of mine from Africa, and we were talking about the future. We were talking about where things are in culture. We were talking about what we believe God's going to do in the future. And, and he started talking about what he saw that God wanted to use his ministry to do and his life to do and his family to do. And I'm telling you, when he started talking, that stirred me up on the inside because every word out of his mouth was faith, faith faith. I believe God's going to change the world using us. I believe God's going to turn things around using us. I believe God's going to cause us to impact the entire world using us. I I'm telling you, his faith was so big and so full that when I got off that phone call, I was like, man, I need to apply the truth of faith in my life at a greater level. I'm not talking about that fishy, wishy-washy, weird faith that we see being perpetrated that is only about selfishness and selfish desire. I'm talking about believing God to use your life for kingdom purpose. Believing God to move in your life and in your family in ways that would astound people around you. Faith, when we get a truth, an understanding of wisdom's truth, then we need to apply it immediately. 
to our life and begin to live it out. That's what wisdom is about. That's what being one of the wise virgins is about. That's what being the man who built his house on the sand is about. There's a scripture, and I close with this. In Psalms chapter 1, it's literally the entire psalm, and it says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law he meditates day and night. And he'll be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season. And whatsoever he does, his leaf does not wither, and whatsoever he does, he will prosper. And then it says, The ungodly are not so. They're like the chaff that's driven away by the wind. Chaff was the, the, the grown weeds that when they were trying to get the wheat harvest out and they would put it in this little deal and they would shake it. And what that would do is that would get the wind would take the chaff, the stuff that was not needed, the stuff that had no purpose, and it would blow it away. But the harvest would be in that grain that stayed that the wind could not blow away. We want to be like that tree that's planted by streams of water. We want to be that that tree that brings forth fruit in our season. We want to be like that tree that no matter the drought around us, our leaves do not wither because we're attached to that stream. We want to be like the tree that whatever we put our hand to, it prospers. It's blessed. Well, the way that that happens is that we don't allow for this digression of the foolish. I want to show you those three steps of digression. He said, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. So the inference here is that if you walk in man's wisdom or ungodly wisdom, you're walking among that which is not of God. So a godly man doesn't walk in ungodly counsel, but he's walking. Now I want you to notice the next thing you see is, nor does he stand in the way of the sinner. So now this man who was walking in the counsel of the ungodly is now standing in the way of the sinner. His forward progress has stopped because he's listened to the ungodly. He's not taking the wisdom of God. He's taking the wisdom of man. He's listened to the counsel of, of, of people who have a, a, a base heart, people who are not following God instead of listening to God. He's maybe even listening to himself and his own desires instead of the purpose and will of God. And now he's no longer walking or making forward progress. He's standing in the way of sinner. It doesn't mean that he's just standing by them. It means he's living in their way. He stopped progressing. He stopped moving. Now he's just standing and he's just like all the other sinners. And then it digresses even further to mockery. He says, now he sits in the seat of the scornful. He was moving forward, but he started listening to foolishness. Then he stopped amongst the foolishness, and he became foolish. And now, finally, he's sitting. And not only is he foolish, and he's rejected wisdom, but now he's mocking wisdom. And he's sitting among the scorners. He's sitting among the people who have rejected truth, and have rejected life, and have rejected the goodness of God, and begun to mock and it's funny when we get into foolishness how quickly we can mock the things of God I want to encourage you though that the person who is wise doesn't 
stand in the way of the sinner. The person who is wise doesn't listen to the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of the sinner or sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the wisdom of God, the word of God. And in that law, that word, he meditates, he thinks about, he processes day and night. He is always thinking God thoughts. He's always pursuing God's way. He's always moving towards God's vision and God's wisdom and God's purpose. He meditates on it day and night, and he's like a tree. God takes his life and plants it right by the streams of water. What are those streams of water? They're indicative of the Holy Spirit. And he drinks from the well of the Holy Spirit, and it causes fruit to be born in its season. When it's, when it's fruit season, it comes out of his life, and his leaves don't wither. Regardless of the circumstances around him, regardless of the problems and issues that go, He's standing and his leaves aren't falling. And then finally, his action, his purpose, his application of wisdom always prospers. Listen, this is how important this Proverbs study is. We need to get ourselves in that place where we realize Solomon's saying, this is what wise people do. This is what foolish people do. This is what happens for wise people. This is what happens for foolish people. We need to take up the truth of the Word of God and allow it to transform our lives in Jesus' name. So the point is this. Wisdom is made available to us. Wisdom is appropriately applying knowledge and understanding of God's person and God's ways in everyday life experience. And it's available for every person on the planet. The wise person, the person that chooses to be wise, is the person that hears and acts on wisdom. The foolish person, the person who chooses foolishness, is the person who hears wisdom but refuses to listen and chooses to act in opposition to the wisdom that is expressed. Wisdom prevails and results in blessing. Foolishness results in destruction. The wisest thing we can do is see the wisdom in the Word of God and obey it. The most foolish thing we can do is to see the wisdom in the Word of God and ignore it. You, I, we have a choice. My challenge to you today, choose wisely. Motives matter. Truth or dare. God bless you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your grace, for your love for your inspiration, and for the wisdom of your word. Help us to walk in it, help us to live in it, and help us to allow it to transform our lives. Because today, we choose to be wise, and we reject foolishness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being a part of the Summit Church podcast today. We pray that God used today's podcast to draw you closer to him. You can stay in the know at Summit by following us on social media. Thank you again for being a part. This is the Summit Church Podcast.